Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, the PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights in the promotional products business. My name is Bobby Lee Hewitt, and as always, our hosts, uh, Mark Graham and uh, Brad White. I almost lost it there, Brad. Sorry. And of course, it's a we hard are thrilled name to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Difficult to nervous around, around. I do get Brad. it. It's he's, the power. He's this intense. And power we, the eyebrow. Smile. It is the eyebrow. That's what it is. We are thrilled to be talking once again to Paul. Uh, Great. Welcome uh, to PPI. Yeah. Oh, we're glad to have you here at the office. Thanks for having us. It's my first time. Your first time. First time. You've been here before. Yeah. It's impressive. It's big. Yeah, I place. like the, the, the artifact, the promotional product artifact library in the front where yeah, it's all yeah. this old promo. We do. Product. We have a little museum out there, the history of it. How'd you acquire all that stuff? Members. Oh, uh, members really? submit really? it. We've got, we have had it given to us over the 26 years we've been here in this building and 26, cool. maybe 30 years in this building. So. And yeah. what's the oldest promotional product out there? Uh, it's probably something from Coca-Cola, I would imagine. I know we have some early 1900 stuff mm. out there from yeah. Coke. So, mm. Buttons yeah. would be my guess, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 have some election buttons out right. there. Flare. Yeah, flare. That's right. As, As we saw last week. That's right. Right. That's right. That's right. So, so today's topic, we're talking today on the podcast. We're continuing our conversation about the word swag. That's just one conversation we're going to have today. We're going to talk about multiple things. And we're also going to talk about multi-generational issues in our industry, yep. uh, how important uh, the divide has become and how we're addressing it both in our own businesses but also as an association. So why don't we just get kicked off some questions. We have some questions for Paul. We're, this is just going to be free, free form, but Mark, I know you have a few uh, direct questions. Why don't you take the lead? Well, maybe to give people some context, uh, uh, yourself, uh, Brad, and, and, and me, uh, we, we had a, a conversation uh, about a month and a half ago where we talked about swag, and there was this great article that was published, I think, in Promo Marketing about... And then Paul reposted it. That's right. Yeah, right. Blog. yeah right, right. But we had this enthusiastic conversation about swag mm-hmm. and whether the term was actually relevant, and I think that our consensus was that swag was not a bad term. It wasn't a bad term because it was contextual, and there's certainly lots of our clients... Uh, that, uh, that, that refer to it as swag. And as good salespeople, we have to talk the lingo of our clients. And, uh, and I know that Kyle, I think Kyle uh, Richardson was the one who had written the article. and uh, Promo had, Marketing. That, right. that, that's right, from Promo Marketing, had then posted uh, a response that was very respectful, and I think that it, 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 uh, it rounded out his views. But the question that, that, uh, that I have for you, Paul, is you represent PPAI. You... Um, you have a very different job than we do as distributor salespeople. And my job as a distributor salesperson is to make sure that I am talking the language of my customer, that I am representing them well, and if I do that, then they'll purchase product from me. Because if they want to call a swag, buy all Then they're in charge. They're the ones with the checkbook, and that we're the ones that are uh, going to market with a particular strategy, and that we're developing a marketing campaign around that, and that's been successful for us. Your job is completely different. Well, it, is, it is a little bit different. And you said, um, is the word swag bad? Yep. And, and I would agree it's not a bad term. I think it's a difficult term. It's a difficult term for us to, to put into context of a marketing medium when we're talking about um, legislators and some buyers who might not be of the generation who are calling it swag. Right. So from our perspective, um, you know, I... If, if your customer wanted to call it trinkets or if your customer wanted to call it a tchotchke, you'd embrace that and you'd sell them what it is as long as it's part of a program that you think is going to do their brand right. Yeah. But 
we, we have the same challenge with those words in, in D.C. as well. And when, when we get a piece of legislation that's coming down the pike and it says, you know, um, this agency will no longer use um, gifts, incentives, trinkets, novelty items, swag, well, we want to separate ourselves from an association standpoint. We want to separate them, those words from promotional products because with promotional products, we're, we're discussing a marketing medium. And with swag, we're talking about the product itself. Right. So it was interesting. We had an exchange one night. Um, it was, you two don't have a life. It was a Friday night or a Saturday <laughs> night. We had this, this email exchange going back and forth where I, I said, um, you know, a promotional product is always swag, but swag isn't always a promotional product. And in a little pre-conversation here, we, we talked about that, is that, you know, it, it, people are getting things and it's swag, but it might not have... The, the relevance is a promotional product that, that we espouse as an association. Right. So, yes. not a bad word, a difficult word. It seems as though, uh, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost as if, do we not have a problem as distributors with the word swag, but we do with trinkets? Yeah. I, I agree. You know, what kind of spurned our, our conversation, the, the first podcast that we did, was, you know, I kind of brought up the point that I think the word swag to a younger generation Maybe it's from the hip-hop culture. Or maybe it's just pop culture in general. Swag means style. Yep. And I think style is branding. And so I think the perception maybe to a younger generation might be that swag does, in fact, connotate promotional products in a different kind of way. Yeah. yeah. I, I remembered one of the things that um, you all spoke about in your last podcast was, you know, at the award shows, folks are getting swag. Yeah. And, and, and that's the one of the things that's that helps define it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're getting swag, but they're getting product that's branded with the name of the, the company of the product. Right. They're not using the product to to brand somebody else's brand. Right. Right. They're not right. using a big right. pen to okay. to talk about Movado watches and. They're giving away to Movado Watch. Right, right. So, and I think it, that that's a little bit of a differentiator, different. too. Sure. Does that make it more of a gift, then? <clears throat> Well, yeah, I would I would consider in that case swag being a gift, and it goes back to that thing that swag isn't always a promotional product. Right. In a lot yeah. of cases, swag yeah. is a gift. If, so. if you're a new listener, by the way, I have to break in and say if you if you're just listening right now and you're what are they, why are they even making this an issue? We all know why, but I want to help in case someone doesn't know because the value of what we uh, have been doing as a profession <clears throat> for years has been under assault uh, by government. Yeah. And in, in the headlines, um, and I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, I don't know that we've seen that kind of assault or, or, as we have in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Maybe there have been time periods in our, in our profession's history yeah. when it was the case. But if you're new and you're tuning in, that's why we're actually talking about it. It's not just semantics. It's right. the fact that this is very important because uh, we want to make sure we are uplifting uh, the value of what we sell. Yeah, and I, and I know I'm, I'm actually taking a... A more hardline view on this than I actually feel, and yeah. you know, in, in the day-to-day business. But you get a uh, an executive memo from the president of the United States, and he says we need to cut wasteful spending. Mm-hmm. And in that, he uses words like trinkets and swag and gifts. Well, we would all be fools if we defended wasteful spending. Right. I'm pretty certain I can make a more compelling case if I'm talking about promotional products than swag. Yeah. So from my perspective, my customer. Yeah. He's the president of the United States in that case. He's a legislator in, yeah. in a different case. So, 
And that's where your role is very different than ours, right. and as association members, that's what we yeah. want. Well, you sort it out on your end, I'll sort it out on my end. We sell a whole bunch of stuff, gets us funded, and, uh, and then we can go out and do good GR for you. <laughs> I think a lot of it comes down to a perception, and, it, and as you're describing that letter, I'm thinking, what is the, the government's perception right. of what we sell and what we do? Mm. And I, it, 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 it bothers me, because I... I had shared with these guys before that I was in direct mail. Right. You know, in in that release of wasteful spending, and what right. they're mentioning is wasteful spending, did they state any other forms of marketing? Did they talk about direct mail or billboards or anything? Like no, that? they didn't. As a matter of fact, we were lumped in with um, rental cars, cell phones, and something else. There was one other thing that they, you right. know, they went through and said, we have cell phones that aren't being used, and we have cars that people have that shouldn't people shouldn't have cars, and we were tagged as one of the wasteful things. So it's more stuff than marketing, and that's correct. I get that. Correct. They didn't look at our product as marketing. Right. The right. challenge we have with right. legislators is, you know, the thing that got them elected, they've yet to recognize is fully that it's the same thing that can make the programs that they're they're espousing as legislators more productive. Right. They're not seeing the connection between the two. The new challenge for distributors is, and it is a big challenge, because whereas a decade or more ago it was easier to peddle product, now yeah. we're set in the, the seat to where we have right. to validate for our, our audience sometimes will buy, uh, our clients will buy merchandise, and they will be thinking they just need this item for a particular event or whatever. It has a purpose. Yeah. And now the hard job is for us distributors to really help yeah. validate or uh, um, um Help make understand, help them understand that this this is the purpose that it serves. Even though yeah. they kind of know it, but we have to almost enforce the fact or yeah. over communicate what the value of what we're doing is doing for them. If that made any sense at all? No, it does. It, it always does. makes sense. It's always very eloquent. Oh. <laughs> I'm laying it on thick here, lady. You are, man. <laughs> when when uh, <laughs> as, as Paul remembers, uh, I. The two of us were being pretty nerdy on a Saturday night exchanging these emails, so you're right, we don't have lives. Seems but like I, this happens a lot. It does. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. It's not an exclusive it's not good. <laughs> This exchange right here is pretty nerdy, too. Which is, <laughs> yeah, so so let, let's just come you know. clean. But right. one of the things that you and I were talking about via email, Paul, um, and this might be somewhat controversial, is that as a distributor, I look at government uh, promotions, and as a distributor, sometimes I'll look at them and say, <laughs> That might have been a waste of money when there when when mm. the end when there's a misalignment between the marketing objective and the end user. Right. So, unfortunately, what we uh, what we have to contend with in this industry is that there is a lot of product that's produced that's really bad, mm. and it, it's not aligned with the end user. It it doesn't speak to the end user's uh, needs or goals or aspirations. It's not exciting for them to receive that. And I suppose to some extent, if I'm Obama, I would look at that and say, if someone's receiving a stress toy at the Department of Transportation and it goes immediately into the trash bin, you know what? We should probably cut that. We should probably cut that expense. And is that not our responsibility as distributors, as marketing professionals, that yeah. organizations like PPAI and other organizations really try to promote excellence um, uh, across the supply chain? Perhaps that's our fault as distributors that we're selling products that don't speak to that end user. And it's not to suggest that they have to uh, upgrade to a $50 pen, 
still do something that is is uh, going to speak to that audience. But I, I think that there's a lack of creativity. I think there's a lot of order takers in this industry. And I think that we need to stop that so that we can really communicate the value of our medium. Mark, so I, I was sympathetic to that as I, someone that makes money in this business selling product. I can hear a distributor listen to you and say, come on, Mark, somebody's going to call you up and they're going to want 50000 whatever. You're going to take that order. So... Okay, go ahead. Right, so uh, that well, he didn't mean, acknowledge that he would. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no he, I, here's where I think the rub is. You would take the order, but here's the new challenge. The new challenge is to make sure you. I, I know you. I know that that could also be an opportunity to help make sure that you're whatever you're selling them is achieving their marketing objective. Sure. Now, let's say for a minute that you don't do that. Part of my argument is many of these products still do achieve. That objective, whether or not it, it, the the buyer is t- completely aware when they bought it, um, and whether or not the distributor is, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, you know, it, it's it's I, last time we did this podcast, I really regretted not saying that because some distributors going to come on, guys, you're, you're going to take the order. Well, I, I, why don't I give you an example from Danny Rosen? So Danny oh, Rosen oh, okay. from, from from Brandfuel. Right, Danny, sure. I'm sorry you're not on the. The uh, the conversation, but I, I promise to he represent you well. Yes, <laughs> right. he's he's uh, he's here now, and so Danny and I have got into this conversation about what would you do if a client called you up and wanted stress toys, and he has this rule at Brand Fuel, and I don't know how enforceable <laughs> it is. Danny, I hope I'm representing you okay here. He says that they will not sell stress toys because they view it as a medium, at least for their client base, <clears throat> does not speak to their client base. And I thought that was interesting. I said, well, Danny, come on. You get an order for 50,000 stress toys. This is going to be a nice order. What he says he does is he'll stop the client and say, what are you looking to achieve? And if the client says, well, we're looking to achieve X, even though the stress toy might still be on the table, he might say, how about this alternative product that might be able to accomplish an even greater ROI and is less expensive? And it's interesting that he trains his salespeople to ask that question. And it's yeah. nothing against stress toys, and I'm sure that he's sold lots of stress toys. But I think that question is interesting. Yeah. And I know that we certainly at our distributorship challenge our salespeople to always ask that question because it builds trust. And the clients go, hang on a second, this is, an order, this is not an order taker. This is someone who really cares about my business. Yeah, that's where, that's where you move from promotional peddler to, tr- to uh, consultant yep. to trusted advisor. And that is, that's huge. Yeah. That's a big So with asking, I suppose with where Danny was coming from is that he goes, if I could sell the customer something that's relevant, still achieves their marketing objective, they're going to call me for that next order. If it's a bunch of, I'm not going to come down hard on stress toys, but this was the example that he used and they're all thrown out, then chances are that client might not call back because there wasn't a wow. And I think it's the wow that we're constantly looking for as distributors that we can market. So I would just like to say that I love stress toys. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's some people in the government in the last few years who have been using their stress toy quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and, but just getting back to kind of where this conversation starts, I think a lot of it's about perception. Right? Yeah. And I think there are other ways that we can improve the perception of our industry other than the terminology. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. about being marketers. Mm. And yes, we're going to take orders and that kind of thing, but I think we can always strive to be a little bit better in the marketing arena. Yeah. Uh, my question to you, Paul, is, you know, they, at, a, at a legislative level, level, they're not calling out other medium, marketing medium, and it sounds to me like they're not really considering promotional products in that same arena. Is that pretty accurate? Well, I think hmm. they do. I think, I think that they do call out other mediums. I think we pay, we're most sensitive to when they call out promotional products. 
I know that, you know, sometimes they don't just call out the other medium. They act, they use us as an example because we're a tangible yeah. medium and, and it's something that yeah. gets left behind. Right. And, you know, the newspaper ad gets thrown out the next day. They may cut those, but they talk about ours. Yeah. And what we need to do is flip that model around and say the fact that you're talking about it means that it's effective. The mm. fact that you're talking about yeah. it means that yeah. it's sitting there and you see it. It's a visible, tangible yeah. way of leaving a message. You know, it's interesting with the legislative that I, I don't think that wasteful spending on promotional products, and it's out there, is limited to to legislative. Mm-hmm. But what we're going to be doing, and, and actually in five weeks, we're going to be at LEAD, which is our Legislative Education and Action Day in, um, in D.C. And, and we're going there specifically with, um, with case histories of how promotional products were used in 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 social cases, in government cases, and whether it's given out um, a blanket to homeless people which has the phone number of a homeless and the address of a homeless shelter on it, or whether it's a refrigerator magnet that has a the, the address and the phone number of a battered women's shelter, those are programs that the government funds that we need to be able to promote. I don't, I don't think that in either of those cases the person's going to look through a magazine or you know a TV yeah. commercial to get the address for the women's shelter or the homeless thing. So those programs exist. Our members are doing good work. And i got to tell you, I'll support the president when he talks about wasteful spending. We live in that every single day here, though. It's about elevating and having those case histories. You you mentioned case histories. I mean, it was 10, 15 years ago when PPA, I used to put out the big case history binders that you'd flip through for ideas. Um, And it's funny. The more things change, the more they kind of, kind of seem. It's to online now. You can yeah, get that that's online. right. And, and and your clients. I, what we're learning is, if if you're a new distributor listening in, one of the best tools we can give you is to learn how to start telling those stories again, yeah. how to start building those case histories, because we're all marketers uh, in this in this profession. Whether or not you acknowledge it, we're mar- all marketers. We are marketers, and uh, th- that's one of the best ways to ignite your market, get people excited about what you do, yeah. and start telling those effective stories yeah. about what you did. You know, one of the, one of the most underutilized resources, I and mean, we have those resources for you, some of the other organizations have those resources for you, suppliers are incredible resources yeah, for that information. Yeah. I know we were talking before about the value of having suppliers be part of your conversation. Yeah. And um, when you ask a, a supplier about a product and say, how does this get used in a, in a healthcare environment? And they'll give you the case histories on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they're an untapped resource. Absolutely. Another email that you had sent out, uh, it was a link to a blog post. I think it was written from um, uh, the client perspective at Movie Studios. I, I think I've, if I'm getting this correct. And they were um, referencing and highlighting all of these different, uh, in their words, swag gifts that they had received. And they were evaluating whether, uh, whether they liked them on a scale of, I think, one to five. And what I was interested in is that this was written from a customer perspective. This wasn't written from Robin's perspective or Boundless's perspective or Right Sleeve's perspective. This was written from a customer perspective. They're referring to it as swag. They're excited about it. They were referring to and highlighting and photographing all of these gifts that they had received throughout the course of the year as a movie studio, and they were celebrating these different campaigns. And I thought that was really interesting. Think about the impact of social media and how it's really given people an opportunity to publicize this kind of stuff you wouldn't yeah. have that wouldn't have existed 10 years that's ago that's true and so our clients now i view that as a huge win yeah. yeah and what i thought was interesting about it is that they weren't referring to it as promotional products they referred to it as swag and i know that's probably going back a couple of minutes ago 
But I think it's very exciting when a campaign is done well that our clients will talk about it online and they're becoming our salespeople. Right. So I know that we scour the web for that kind of stuff yep. all the time yep. to help us close deals because it's the customer, it's their word that's more important than ours. We're right. the salespeople, right? Yep. So. So final final word on the on this topic before we move on to, to one more and and we'll try and close. Uh, any any other final words on this? Or are we? I'm. I just have a question. Um, again, I think we're talking a lot about perception of our industry and what right. we do. What, what can the average distributor or supplier do, even in general terms, to kind of help us? Whether it's uh, help you fight the fight. In Washington, or to just help in general to elevate the perception of the industry as a whole. Well, ask. I, I would say from a on a day to day basis, ask the next question. And I think you referred to that. It was like I want fifty thousand stress balls. Well, why stress balls? Or I want fifty thousand. You know, I, I've done this in some of the sessions I've done where, you know, what's the first question you should ask your customer when they tell you they want to order mugs? And I hear from distributors that saying, well, how much money do you have to spend or what color do you want and what do you want to made out of? For me, the, next, the right question is why mugs? Right. You know, because if you're shipping it to a trade show across the country, might not be the, the right thing to do, you know? So okay. there's, all, there's, those, there's that element of it. From an engagement and from an advocacy standpoint, I would tell them to just get involved very simply in contacting their legislator and letting them know that this is a $17 billion industry there's 450,000 jobs attached to it, to this industry. So when they make a, a really broad statement that swag or promotional products are wasteful, okay, when, when they're not used effectively, they may be wasteful, but there's a lot of jobs that you're putting at risk when you make a comment like yep. that. Yeah. And, um, very easy to do it. You can do it within minutes. You go to PPAI, you click on the PPAI law site, and you just get in touch with your legislator and just let them know that you exist and you are jobs. And, and, and here we actually have three people who are hiring folks, so you're responsible for jobs yep. in the marketplace, and they need to know that. So do good business with your clients, and then let your legislators know that, that this is a real, viable industry that works. Mm -hmm. so. Good advice. Good advice. Well, I had a question, Paul. Um, we're going to switch the topic now to go to generations in, in the industry, in the profession. Mm -hmm. I love what Bruce Perryman says, by the way. He says, we need to stop calling it an industry. We need to start referring it to as a profession. I, right. I love that. Right. Um, so, you know, you used to, but five years ago, I think this is the case, you could look across the uh, expo trade show floor and think, Wow, bad flu season. This, this profession could take a serious hit. Uh, I said that. Paul didn't say that. It really did seem like that the average age was 55. No offense to anyone 55. But, I mean, I think in the past couple of years, have we seen a change in the industry? Are you guys seeing younger people getting in the business? You don't have numbers on that. Um, anecdotally, we can. We, we do ranges on some of our things. We can. We, we don't ask that question on our registration forms for Expo. Hmm. But we do have some other um, surveys where we're doing profile. And, and anecdotally, I would tell you that it, it is starting to skew a little bit younger. I think the industry, and, and it's pretty unscientific, I walked across the Expo show floor this year and I saw a lot more younger people getting engaged in our industry. And, hmm. and I was parked out in front of um, ASI Dallas and outside the Omni and I'm looking at people with show badges on and they looked a lot younger than they did a dozen years ago when I started in this yeah, industry. for sure. Um, Mark and I were talking about this a little bit earlier today, and, you know, is it a good thing? I think it's a great thing. I think it's fantastic that our industry is, is being exposed to people younger. 
I had the opportunity to think about it a little bit more, and I think a lot of it is that economy-driven. That you know, a lot of those folks that the the elder folks that were in the industry 12 years ago, this wasn't their first career choice. I mean, unless you were a legacy company, you you did something else and you ran into a promotional products person and you decided that this is something you can do. But I think that because of the economic climate right now and the unemployment that's out there, especially for folks coming out of school, younger folks, that this is a really viable, valuable industry. It's got everything that, that the millennials are looking for. It's got a levels of autonomy that, that I mean, you can, you can be as engaged or unengaged with other people in this industry as, as you want. Um, it's got a, a definite creative edge to it. It's got a technology edge to it, if you yeah. want to take it that way. And, and the reward part of it is immediate, which that generation is looking for. I mean, you, you sell a good program, you're going to make some money on it. And so the, the reward is real and it's tangible. And I'm excited about it. I yeah. think it's yeah. one of the best things. I mean, look around this table. We would just, for those of you who are more in part of the pre-conversation, I'm the oldest person in the room <laughs> at 49. So for the association, that would be a skewed a little bit younger than we've been in the past. And I think the next oldest person at this table is 34. Uh, four, 40, uh, I'm sorry. 40, 40, 40, 40 I was four. being generous. You could have just, just bought onto it and said, 42. yeah, 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 yeah 42. Yeah. Yeah. You so. know, I, I just I do want to say though that I, I see it getting younger. Or maybe it's just that I'm getting older and I've been in this since I was <laughs> 23. But you know, there is a deep wealth of experience and, and knowledge in this industry from the older generation, the people that have been here for sure before. And I think it's critical to the overall strength of our industry that. That knowledge passed down. We're starting a mentor program on the Promo Kitchen yeah. website. And I, I really want to encourage, you know, people that, that want to give back, that want to make sure the industry stays strong and smart to share what they've learned. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of people. I was speaking at a, a thing recently, and I could tell that people weren't completely relating to what I was saying. And I asked, how many, how many people is this your first show? And a lot of hands went up. Really? How many people have been in the industry in, in three years or less? And most of the hands went up. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would say that there's opportunity there, but there's risk involved with people coming in that don't know to ask the right questions right. And, and how to approach this mm-hmm. thing. And if we want our perception to head in a proper direction, then I think it's critical for the people that have been here um, before this new generation that they share what they know. And it's very important for those getting in the business that they engage with those folks because you think of, and the list could be long, but you think of the Rod Browns, the Fran Fords, the, the folks that you spend 30 minutes with these folks and oh, you'll yeah. be smarter by the time you're done yeah. and you'll be five years ahead mm. as opposed to just bruising it the whole oh, way. Yeah. So. And Brad, to your point about the mentorship program for Promo Kitchen, it's been fascinating by how many are, I, I've been fascinated with how many of these um, uh, industry professionals that have been around for quite some time, you mentioned Rob Brown's name, that love the idea of the mentorship program, that want to be paired up with the young up-and-comer. And we've now attracted, what, 22, 23 applications on both sides? And that, uh, and that, and just, it's, it's fascinating. And I don't think that we had a sense as to how popular that would be, but I think that uh, we're certainly hitting upon something uh, in the industry, that there's these... Uh, and some of the feedback that I've received is some of these older um, um, industry professionals want to be energized 
in a mentor relationship with a younger person. So it's not so much the the old guy mentoring the young person. It's almost like they're coming together, right? And, right, and right. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see some of the uh, some of the results that come out. Uh, I've always that. I've always been baffled. Sorry, Mark. I've always been baffled the fact that uh, when you look across uh, our industry and think of all the aspects that are fun about it, and sure, it's hard. Where there's a lot of the stuff that's not fun about it, but the marketing. Like you, I'm repeating what you said, but I always have been baffled the fact that there aren't. There haven't been in the past younger folks, but it, I think it's trending. I think it's changing. One of the questions I had for you, Paul, was: Do you see the association? Um, I, I know sitting on a couple of boards, um, one of the things we're constantly concerned mm. with because of the proliferation of information on the internet, the fact that they have that information at their fingertips. You know, 10 years ago, for you to connect into a community and to get information, you really had to go to the right. associations. That was the go-to place. Is that a bigger challenge today? I think um, it, it, it's interesting for, for the, as technology savvy as most of the folks, I would say that the folks in Promo Kitchen are more technology savvy than than the general population out there. Let's just say that because they're, they're linking into things like podcasts and the website and they're using it as a resource. But at the end of the day, you're getting more people at your Promo Kitchen live function yeah. than we're getting on a lot of different things. And that means people still want to do business with people. They still want to have that interaction. Absolutely. And and I guess the question is, is this younger generation joiners? And I would say yes. They're joining Facebook. They're joining LinkedIn. They're joining Twitter. They're joining things that we didn't have the opportunities to join. I would say that the people in this room are probably more connected to different social networks, if we want to call an association a network, than I ever had the opportunity to do at the same age. I think from an association standpoint, from a PPAI standpoint, getting people to join it, it, it hasn't. It, we haven't reached that PK. We think there's still opportunity out there. It's how do you monetize it, though? I mean, all of these social networks are trying to find ways to monetize right. the groups that they have in. And I and I think associations. That's the challenge for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people are joining a lot of things for free right now, mm-hmm. and associations still have that membership fee hurdle. Yeah. And I think you're going to start seeing associations go to. Um, you know, it, it'll take time for it to happen, but you'll see more free associations, and then you pay for a la carte for hmm. different services that you want provided. Interesting. So right. I, I think we're prime associations. If they're looking forward, are primed to have the younger generation join them. You just have to engage them in the way that they're being engaged in socially, you know, through social media. This is going to sound like a bad pitch, pandering pitch, uh, bad pitch, uh, then don't a AI pitch. Okay. Well, but you can stop yourself. My, my point <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's self-motivated. Good leader. Um, if you, this is what I say, like the American Marketing Association, I tell young professionals, I just spoke to a college group uh, last week, and I tell them, join, and here's why. Because it is too easy just to check out of all these other places. Yeah. Join and make a commitment. You make a commitment, you start to start the path and journey to become a professional. Yeah. That's the distinction between joiners and, and folks that just kind of flit about yeah. and they'll come to things when they feel like it. Mm. Enough of the PPAI pitch. But I really do well, I'll, I'll, get a, I'll do a regional pitch for you. If not PPAI, look at a regional. I mean, PPAI is 500 bucks to get in there. It's, it's a buck something a day to become a member of PPAI. You look at a lot of these regional associations out there that I think are doing really good work on the ground level. It's $100 to join. It's at 26, 27 cents a day. That's the best 26 to 27 cents a day they're ever going to spend. So do it. Absolutely join at the regional and then, you know, network. And that's a great place to network with 
mentors yeah. and find those people who can yeah. guide. We do them laugh that trade shows have, um, we think, have that the web and the connectivity has not uh, diminished trade shows. In fact, I kind of we had this conversation a while back. I kind of argue that it actually have increased travel. It's so funny that you would think it would cut it down, but actually now you're connecting with people, and you're like, I've got to go see them. You know, I've got to go hang with them. Yeah. Absolutely. We've made a, a conscious decision to embrace groups like Promo Kitchen at Expo and help you guys promote yourself because the, the trade show, much like the association, is just a reflection of whatever's going on in the industry on that yeah. day. And if it means that you know 200 people want to get together, call themselves Promo Kitchen, and have some cocktails together then that's what the trade show needs to become. Yeah. You know, I'd say you, you talked about the generation of people that, that join. And I, I agree. It's, it's very, there are a lot of things to join, and it's very easy to do so. There's no barrier to entry to join in with a lot of these different channels. Yeah. There's a big difference between joining and participating. Right. You know, and I see that, um, whether it's social media, inside the industry, um, what we're doing now, I, a lot of people might want to come to the promo kitchen party and let's have a beer and a conversation, and that's fine. Right. You know, but there's a there's a big difference between joining and participating and taking some level of action, going to a trade show, attending a class, teaching a class, yep. being a mentor. You know, and I I hope to see, you know, down the road, this generation of joiners become a generation of participators at a different level. That it'd be great. I mean, we have, but you have to have the right things in place for them. You as a business, uh, managing a business, you're recruiting um, salespeople for balance. You pro you guys probably have 50 different tools that you offer a distributor to join, and then you can't get them to even use those things. You can't get them engaged in some of the things that you're doing. So I think some of it's just human nature. Yeah. That Whether it's an association, I mean, if anybody who has more than one kid knows that one kid's going to join and the other kid's not going to join and things you're doing in the family. Well, you get out of something what you put in. Right, yeah. exactly. You know, right. And, I, and I think that, I think as, as first responders, people that join quickly, right. you know, are kind of waiting to see how does it go. But I think as more and more people join into the process um, and, and see that participation provides benefit. Right. It's when you start seeing examples of somebody getting benefit from participation right. that you get further adoption of programs and services as a, at, a, at a company level, at a community level, whatever, you know, and, and that drives further participation. What can, how can these young people that are coming into the industry, how can they participate in your opinion? Well, from, uh, I'll speak to the association, and then you, know, you can speak to your own businesses. From an association standpoint, in 2009-2010, we restructured our volunteer um, engagement process for that very same reason. It used to be that you, know, you, you joined a committee, and you had to be on the committee for three years, and this was your role, and you had to go to these meetings. Well, it's hard to get 30-year-old people to engage in a committee when you say, geez, it's only going to be 10% of your life that you need to commit to us at this moment. So we flipped the model and we went to this action group um, format. We have committees and we have action groups. The action groups, it's one year of service. You can be involved on a monthly basis. You can be involved on a quarterly basis. You can be involved on a project basis. So I, I don't... I, so for one, we had, we had to change the process to reflect the way people wanted to join. And, and you can't push them to join. You just have to give them the opportunity and say, hey, this looks a little bit more like what you were talking about. But, and we are seeing that. We're seeing that it's working. We're seeing more people are getting involved, and the people that are getting involved are a little bit of a younger generation. They are. It's a great question, and 
the association's on top of it. We've stumbled a little bit for, uh, for a year or two. We've stumbled with what do we call this thing and how do we market this thing. But I think we really have our, we're on solid ground right now. What I hear is is if you're a young distributor and you're getting into this business and you're like, how do I connect with people like Mark and people like Brad? Well, that's a significant step. And it's not a huge step. It's just a baby step. But it goes from, from a passive um, viewing to really getting involved. But it's a pretty simple step. Yeah. And I, I've said this for the longest time. You know, PPA, I work so hard to put on excellent education. The number one education a distributor can, can get in this business is to make a friend. Yeah, mm. I, I know it sounds like really terrible school advice, yeah. but it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. When I very first joined the industry, I met Ronnie Wright, yeah. and yeah. that I credit her for a, <clears throat> a lot of the different kinds of success that I've had, and mostly with my networking and and wanting to meet people and bring people into the way I do business. I learned that from Ronnie, and mm. without her, I wouldn't be wouldn't have been able to do what I do. So it's not simple. It's very valuable to make strong connections, real connections. Yeah. yeah. Where you meet people like Ronnie is you go to her education session and you don't you don't connect with Ronnie while she's giving her session. I mean, she does great sessions, but you connect with her in the 45 minutes that she stays after the session right. yeah. and answers your one-on-one sure. questions. And I've watched both of you guys do that, both Mark and Bobby, where I, you, you did some sessions for us at Suppliers Forum last year. Uh, suppliers Forum, I think it was last year. Bobby, you were there. And then I watched you for the next half hour answer one-on-one questions about it, and that's where you're making your connections. And yeah. I know you're doing yeah. the same too, Brad. So. Go ahead, Mark. The, the, uh, the only comment that I was going to add is, and, and, and this, I'm an optimist, and we think of it, we have this great conversation about joining and participating. I think that, well, there's a lot of joiners in the next in this up-and-coming generation that's coming into the industry, I also think there's a huge number of them that are participants. You just yeah. look at the power of social media. Yeah. You look at how, if you look at one platform, Facebook, and how the keeners on Facebook are the ones that are participating. They're the ones that are commenting. They're the ones that are up, uh, updating their their their, uh, their their profile pages. They're the ones that are feeding the platform with engaging content. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is you think about the birth and growth of Promo Kitchen is we've attracted people that want to participate and given them that outlook, or sorry, given them that outlet, I should say. Um, and it's interesting because that's also done in concert with PPAI and ASI and, and um, everyone's all together participating using these new platforms. And we look at that party that we had last night at the Hard Rock. It was all young people, all participating. The stories are emanating all throughout Promo Kitchen and Facebook all day. Right. Yeah. And that's what we need to tap into. That's the exciting thing about what, uh, um, that's the exciting thing about the next couple of years in this industry. I think we need to tap into that. Forget the joiners, focus on the participators. And they're the ones that are really going to drive that conversation yeah. and um, drive information throughout the social graph that is our industry. I think part of it too, you know, goes back to where we started with this conversation, being the perception of the industry. I think it's important for a lot of our people to get together. I know companies compete against each other. I get that, but we are in the same profession. And, you know, by by participating, by doing things to elevate our pro- profession, we benefit each other greatly. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, we, I, we need to wrap here soon, but I will, I will say this. Um, Spending 15 minutes with another distributor who used to be your competitor, because here's the interesting thing about distributors, is that our enemy is obscurity now because of the proliferation of information on the Internet. Our enemy is not each other. It's not being found at all by our market. 15 minutes with Mark Graham 
and, and we have a conversation and he says he's selling to nonprofits and I ask why, I walk away. A, a, a richer yeah. man because of that conversation. It really is that simple. And a headache. And it wouldn't be 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so before we wrap, any final words? I don't want to leave anything unsaid, but I have a feeling that we could go, not just Mark, but we could go for a while. I love it. This is great. This is good conversation. I just, I want to thank you, Paul, for, you know, letting us come and talk to you and, and kind of help. I think it's really cool that you are allowing yourself to kind of connect with the members of the Promo Kitchen community and, and, and being accessible to us. Very cool. Well, I appreciate I, it. I, I appreciate that. The last couple of days has, has been really exciting for us here. We've had a number of visitors in the office, more than we've ever had, I think, in a two- or three-day period. And it really creates an excitement around the office that I haven't seen in a while, and it's part of the culture that I'm trying to instill here. Yeah. It's like, no, none of us are selling promotional products for a living. These are the people who are doing it. Let's embrace them. Let's get them in the office. Let's let's have them tell us what they're doing out there and what they're feeling and what they're hearing. So, this is helpful to me too. Yeah, this is this is going to sound like pandering again, but I know. Here we go. No, no. Yesterday, 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 you had one of. Uh, well, let me just say you had a high-profile person in the industry in your office. I did. And today you're entertaining everybody from D1 distributed folks that are in uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in sales. Yeah. I've just seen firsthand some pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm just echoing what Brad said. Oh, terrific. It's, it's pretty cool. And and um, I think we're really excited to see. We need to have another conversation because we don't have time for it now about more about your vision for coming up. I mean, we, I'm sure you could go on for a while about that, but we'll table that one for another Absolutely. conversation. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Brad, uh, any other final words? That's it for me. Mark? Pleasure as always, Bobby. Yeah. Pleasure as always. <laughs> Here it comes. All right. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, this you. has been a blast. Great. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you.